lot of the guys that I work with, the guys who do it, Division Three, Division Two. So you know, great feedback after games, and, and tell them right out, like, hey, I want you to be as critical of me as possible while we're um, doing the game, so you know I can be prepared for trials this summer. So that's great. That's exactly why we're talking because you're a sponge and you want to like you know learn as much as possible. And I'm at the point where I just want to give as much as possible. So that's why this thing works. <laughs> You are listening to the Crown Rest Podcast, the audio experience for basketball official officials. Serve the game. Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to neattucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. Man, that's great, man. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the podcast, of course, and I saw this opportunity and I couldn't pass it because um, I've been working with a, a actually a guy who passed the test with me back uh, like eight years ago and um, he just kind of soared and he's taken off and he's been at camps like basically all summer every summer and um, he's now doing he just got a contract with the G League this year he does uh, Division 2 and Division 3 and he, we've talked about getting together to look over this film and I'm like alright and I talked to him and he's like, ah, yeah, I got like, I already got like 10 games this in March for G League and I got invited to do the tournament this year for Division 3 and like, and I'm like, okay, he's, 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 he doesn't have a lot of time. So like, let me try to get some feedback right away so I can, you know, get it ready for the camp. So, right, right. you know, like it's going to be worth every penny. Like I listened to you, like again, I actually just caught up. Oh, that's great. Thanks, I went back. And um, I listened to everything, and I um, and just you know, there's just so much relative information, right? Like you hear it, and you're like, yep, mm-hmm. yep, I know exactly what he's talking about, you know. Like, and um, I think it was actually one of the things on your report. You mentioned something about my um, partner making a call. You know, like, usually I don't comment on, on it, but you know, I think he he made a he made a call where he could have passed on it, and I right. thought of like the whole start, develop, finish. You know, when you when when you're watching a play, just start developing. And I don't know if I actually got that from you or not, but um, but having that patient whistle—that's all it is, really. At the end of the day, a lot of the a lot of the things you said in my report were a lot of mechanic stuff. Yeah. So in when working with some uh, um working with some D two and D three officials who worked games with me in the prep school level, they were like, "What's going to make you stick out as mechanics? Like you you know you got you looked the part." It's just a matter of cleaning everything up, and he goes, you'll, you'll stick out. Right. So Yeah, they said it perfect. I mean, like, you have the foundation. You're in really good shape. You look the part. And I just think we just got to clean and tighten up a couple things. And it's just a good opportunity because there's a lot of little things that are going to be an easy fix for you. And you're going to see quick results, I think. So like, Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, for, like, for instance, you know, when you're inbounding the ball, I'm watching everything you do from how you bounce the ball to the way you hand it off to the player, to the way you then put your hand up in the air to stop the clock, to how you hold your hand in the air, to then how you start to extend your hand count, to how you back away, to how you then chop in the clock, to how you transition to your um, back 10-second backcourt count, 
You know, like I'm looking at every little step. So like I want you to break each of those steps down that I just said to you and watch it just frame by frame. Like I think your your bounce could be a little sharper. The way you hand the ball, the, the position of your hands as you're handing the ball. Like I noticed the, it's just a little loose at times. You're, you're a little wide with your hands. I want everything to be tight, sharp, yeah. compressed, you know, like just just keep those those words in mind when like you we're talking about mechanics and signals so a little bit straighter of a, a of a hand up when you're stopping the clock i want to see your snap i want uh, the snap of the hand count you know snap it out shoulder height shoulder height every time a couple times you're doing it a little lower than shoulder height and i think anytime we count low it just automatically doesn't look as strong as it would if if we're counting more level um you know snap that point forward at shoulder height as well, a couple times. It was, yeah, it was, go ahead. Yeah, a question about that as far as with the, the snap count. So you mentioned mentioned the, the, the point, but even on an out of bounds plays, the same same kind of point with the snap. I mean, I think everything we want, we present, we want to have snap, pop, and crispness to it. Okay. So I'm not saying every call needs to be like the sharpest signal ever. 40-point game with three minutes left, you're not going to have that same pop as you did in a you know close game with two minutes left. So that's just having context for the moment. That's part of being having the feel for the game. But I'm saying as a guideline for you, as your norm, we need to have that snap every time. And then you'll know when to scale it back. But let's have it first, and then we can scale it back. Absolutely. And, and with that, even on a spot file, you know, you got to spot follow your, you're letting your partners know, hey, spot, you want that, you want that snap there as well, at that, shoulder level, or is that more of a point to the ground? Um, that that's the point to the ground. Again, you know, you're not gonna, you, we don't have to sell those home. I mean, those those are a little bit more routine. <laughs> those are a little bit more administrative. It's just okay. us communicating with our partner. But it, you want it to look good, so like find right. what'll look good for you the way you point to a spot. I mean, I, I still. I kind of cock mine back a little bit and point to the spot a little bit, but obviously with a little bit less emphasis because it's not a directional point. It's not a charge call. It, like I said, it's administrative for our partners. Okay. But, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's just something that we want to look good on film as well. So just find, you know, you're kind of just find, you know, what fits you. Um, reporting the numbers. I want you to practice in front of a mirror, practice like putting it in an imaginary box, focus on the fluidity um, of like the way your numbers transition to that box and also like present at eye level, right? Or give or take around eye level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking at it, especially in the video you sent me personally, just basically get my elbows to the chest level. Yeah. So get, get them out to the chest level and popping them out. So, and I think a lot of the times I'm more maybe midsection with my numbers. So I just need to bring right. up my elbows. Right, and just think of it as like a presentation. It just doesn't look as confident if somebody is is doing their signals like at, at the midsection. But when you go up, you're tall, you're in good shape. You want to be big, you want to be long, you always want to you always want to present big. So, just putting it right in that box, popping it every time and holding it for an extra second is just going to give you a little bit sharper of a presence at the table. For the substitutions, you know, I've said this a couple times on my IPRs. Be inviting, be welcoming. Use that open hand and, and pull your open hand towards your forehead. 
versus starting it at like chest level and just kind of waving them in. Like this is like an open, I call it the gentleman's hand. It just, it just looks so professional on film. Whether you're pointing to a spot as like an inbounder is about to come, you're just giving them that open hand, showing them where to go. Same thing with the uh, substitutions. Again, this is just technical stuff here. But little pieces and pieces and pieces and pieces that you continue to add now that gets back to what your friend just said, you know, just tightening things up. This is exactly how we tighten it up, by breaking things down frame by frame. Um, it's good stuff. Real good stuff. Uh, so let's just do some timestamp plays. So have, just, to, just to frame it up, do you have a lot of three-person experience? Uh, this year has been the year I've done it most. I've done a lot of that camps and stuff. But um, this year, I worked. Uh, I got into a, a, an assigner who does um, prep school, and he uh, and those games are all three man. So it was great, better basketball, and it was just great to work with with the three man three man crew. But also a lot of the a lot of the guys that I work with, the guys who do it, Division three, Division two. So you know, great feedback after games, and, and tell them right out like, hey, I want you to be as critical of me as possible while we're um, doing the game so, you know, I can be prepared for trials this summer. So That's great. That's exactly why we're talking because you're a sponge and you want to, like, you know, learn as much as possible and I'm at the point where I just want to give as much as possible. So that's why this thing works. So 35 seconds in, don't raise that open hand before you throw the ball off for a throw-in. So you, um, I think you have your open hand up stopping the clock before A1 has the ball on an inbounds. So you don't have to have it up that early. Just just two-handed bounce, and then as you hand it off to him, your, your offhand automatically goes up and stops the clock. It, you're just holding it up a little bit too early. It just, just the throw-in appears to start a little soon when you have their, your, your hand stopped like that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I saw what you meant, and I went back and looked, and I did it all game. So it was uh, definitely something that, you know I can work on. Mm-hmm. Good. 36 seconds in, raise your count to shoulder level. We talked about that instead of at the rib level. Again, yours is a little low. It also looks a little safe. You know, it's just like a little careful. Just want to take a quick break from the podcast to tell you about our new IPR service, which is the Individual Performance Report, one of the industry's first film review services. We break your game down into seven parts. You are now hearing the game notes section where we did a full timestamp review on some notable plays and loaded it with some instructional comments and questions. So hope you enjoy. Hit us up if you have any questions about the IPR. You can email me at crownrefs at gmail.com or hit us up on social. Now, back to the podcast. 12.55, double play. So this is two plays back-to-back. Good no call on the first shot. Now, my question to you is, could you have passed on the second shot? I I notice when we have loaded plays, when we have layered plays, multiple shot attempts, rebounds, and putbacks, we we don't want the contact to accumulate. So, like, we're passing on incidental on the first shot. We're passing on incidental on the second shot. We got to have a legal on the third shot. It can't be another incidental and then us come have a whistle just because the first two plays were loud. So I just want to know, is this play kind of an example of, did you get a little emotional that you had like that first no call and it, there was contact 
were you a little quick on the whistle to, for the second play? Yeah, um, I went back and looked at this one, and basically the defender got, he got a piece of the ball in the first one, so I let that you know let that ride, and then on the second attempt, he he had jumped because the guy gave him a head fake, and then he tried to move out of the way. And then the offensive player did initiate the contact. So I, I should have passed on it. Okay. But at the time, I was quick, like you said. I mean, if that first play that you passed on happens eight straight times, just pass on all eight. No call. No call. No call. Pain tolerance, right? Uh, legal contact. Incidental contact. And yourself talking in your head. That's nothing. Nothing. No call. Legal. You know? Having that tough chin, staying in lead, just being able to take a punch. Yeah, I know. I definitely was, you know, was out of position in the sense that, you know, it was straight down the middle there. Um, I thought I gave it enough time to get to my partners to call it on either side there. Um, I guess my question to you is that, is that what you would consider a, like a small fish? Don't bother, like, calling that or? Well, I can't remember the playoff top, but my notes say it's an obvious travel. Now, how far out did you come to get it? The guy, the guy was at the top of the three-point line. Uh huh. And you were at the, you were at the, you were the lead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. If we if we miss a travel out there, that's just on the trailer seat to get it, pretty much. Unless it's a game saver. You know, location of the court wise, you're at the baseline. We're generally not going to ever have whistles three-point line, top of the key ish. Okay. All right. Um. 1451 inbound mechanics pop the chop. Just want to see a little bit more pop when you are chopping the clock. Use that fist. I call it the Jeter fist or Michael Jordan fist. You know, after they won the sixth ring. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking more Tiger. Tiger, yeah. I mean, kind of does that. It's pretty universal. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a this is a high school play right here. You know, we have to count ten seconds in the back in the backcourt, right? But I think we do it way too much, and I think we do it way too quick, and I think we do it on plays we really don't need to. In particular, like fast break plays, where we know the point guard is out. He's going to cross the half-court line in two seconds. So we're running, and we're counting. Now, it's cringeworthy to me to run and count. I don't think any referee has ever made it look good. I look terrible running and counting. Like, it's really hard to do, I think, you know, mechanically. With our body mechanics, it's just hard to make it look smooth. So I tend to not do it if I'm running. That also tells me that the play's leaving the backcourt. So do you think you need to start a backcourt count for two seconds if if the point guard is out? No. Okay. So just reducing the excess here. And this is going to get you to slow down a little bit too. Because in those two or three seconds, while your, your body's racing, you're thinking about counting. And, you know, I talked about the five-second count on a recent post. It's just like, you know, we don't call it that much. So I'm not saying start it late, but just have that feel for the game and that game awareness to know what's important at that moment. Absolutely. Uh, quick, quick question there regarding the five-second count. Uh, as far as the mechanic, in, I'm sure, you know, at the college level, they want the arm high for the five-second count. Um, the high school, you know, they've kind of told us that you can kind of count like as if when they're at the free throw line almost with your hand kind of I've never heard that just flashes okay yeah I've That's never been a mechanic talk to me on both sides so I guess what's the clarity what's the rule on your end I've never heard it nor have I ever seen it nor would I ever do it 
I would just keep my count normal. Okay. Not not the free throw count. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't even know how to count like that on a live ball in an active matchup. It would, it would just feel <laughs> awkward. I don't know. I've never heard of that. Maybe it's a New England thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh -huh. maybe. Uh, so out of bounds at 17.45. Remember the order is stop the clock, point the direction, point to the spot. Not stop the clock, point to the spot because we, we want to let everybody know that we got the call right and let everybody know in the gym where it went out of bounds. And Let's point, point the direction first. It's like, all right, I'm stopping the clock. I'm pointing the direction. I know I got the call right. Now, here's your spot. Here's where it went out of bounds. I'm not going to rush through my operations to give you the answers quicker. No, I'm going to do my, do my thing first. Yeah. I think you covered that on uh, Instagram video last week. Or yes, week. yes, yes. So this is the audio version of it. <laughs> you know, I, I just like being thorough with it. I just like being, and it's simple too. It's actually more, a more simple approach because I'm very simple. 1820. Yeah, no, I like it. Okay, good, good. All right, what do we got? 24-35, inbounding the ball. We hold the ball like a waiter because we're here to serve the game. You like that line? Yeah, I like it. And I, <laughs> I think uh, you even put it in the, um, in the email, you know, the picture of you holding the ball like a waiter. Right, so right, I right. got what you meant there. I, I could visualize it, too, by the words you use. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game.